Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. I'll tell you why I have this accent in my head. Why? So I was walking to Parliament this morning and I hear this, hello. <laughs> it was, it was a Cockney it, chimney sweep. It was a homeless man. Oh. But he said, hello. He said, I need something. And I said, oh, what do you need? Yeah. And he asked me for money. Oh. I said, no. Yeah. But I said, I will buy you food. Yes, that's okay. Yeah, I yeah. said, I will buy you food. What What do you want? And he was right outside of 7-Eleven. Right. He said, well, maybe a coffee then. And I said, okay. And then, <laughs> and I loved this about him, he was like, I'm on the hustle here. And then he, as, as I stepped foot into the 7-Eleven, he said, and a donut. <laughs> And I looked at him and I said, yeah, all right. And I, <laughs> yeah, and I got him a donut that was a little reindeer. had like pretzels as a reindeer ears. That's and so nice. Yeah, he was really sweet. And then uh, I gave it to him, asked him his name. He, said he his probably name was, would have preferred like a shot of some drug of some sort. No, you can't say well, that. No, he would have preferred that, I'm sure. No. Yes. No. <laughs> You're such a babe in the woods. Oh, well... You but know. that's nice. He, everyone needs to eat, even if they do have yeah, a drug and, problem. Yeah, and then he was calling me a Christmas angel. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, as, I, as, I, well, as I walked away, he uh, you're a Christmas angel. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And that's then so I was funny. like, I've spent all my time talking to Michael. I haven't been able to get to the coffee shop for myself, but well done you. But that's you are lovely. a Christmas angel. I'm a Christmas angel. Uh, we need to continue our relentless campaign against no-show socks, and I'll tell you why, oh. because... Oh. We've got chickens, as I think I'm told both of you. They're the new girls in the house. There's four chickens. And so Kira and I go down there and we just yeah. sit in the pen with them and watch them. Like oh, that's they're nice. Fascinating. They scratch. They And you go... And they come over. Do they? They yes. peck you? Yes, and they sort of step on your toes. They step oh, and I, I like go the way their little laces. feet feel on you, their little yes. claws. It's kind of nice so in a weird cute. way. But anyway, I've been had the no-show socks, so there's a gap, you know, where the ankle is. And I have got three mosquito bites on my ankle from the bleed. I'm just checking on my Uber Eats order. Mozzies. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. He's Hashtag priorities. He's doing a block. I don't know what's happening. Do you want to go down and get to him? I'll give you my security card. This is important. I don't know what's happening. They always do a couple of laps. Oh, no, he's he has a, just picking it up. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. Not delivering. It's <laughs> ages. Yeah, so long. Um, <laughs> so should we do – do you want to – what do you want to do? I don't even know. Okay, so we, we need to tell people what's happening wanna... here. What's happening? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have not been into the office since March. And this is the first time I have seen Kirsten since March. So yeah. we're like – Weirdly, like excited. It's so strange. Awkward. It's just fucking weird. It's a real COVID normal feeling. You've been yeah. at my house seeing me looking yeah. grotty, all the rest of it. It's just all strange. I'm just done with this whole year. Yep. This whole year can just get fucked. In the bin. Yeah. Get in the bin. I agree. I've got I no don't, energy. I don't care about New Year's Eve. Usually I just, um, it's just another day. And then the next day of the new year is another day. But this year I cannot wait to draw a line. I know, and it's and not so like anything it. is going to change from December 31 yeah. to the yeah. 1st of Jan. Yeah. We're still going to have all the same problems, but it's going to feel fresh. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. No, no, no. Right? I think it's definitely draw a line I'm and just move on. dragging my body over the 
finish line of yeah, this year. Limping I, yeah, I am struggling. There have been meltdowns. Well, you've had I've, a new job. Well, we've both had new jobs. You've had your new yeah. job doing state rounds. Yeah, and I, there's just it's it's for people that don't work in media, it's this two week period between now and Christmas where people have absolute meltdowns about nothing <laughs> yeah. and they scream at each yes, other yes. and then they apologise. I had a producer shove me. Oh my. <laughs> I forgot to put something in my script and she just like, she's like, oh, Bella. And she just shoved me and I was like, oh, I wasn't ready for that, but it's valid. And I really laugh about it. I'm not offended. I'm not going to go to HR. And then I had another um producer just kind of lose her shit at me and then two seconds and I and when she did it I just went oh yeah it's that kind of year I was not offended or upset and then she kept coming up to me going I'm so sorry I, I'm so sorry that happened and I'm like no I get it it's just we're all losing it it's fine yes now I'm gonna there was somebody losing it at my house look I'll tell her and I know her best friend Megan listens to the pod and yes she, so this will get fed back but I don't think she'll mind because time will have passed so okay everyone forgot to get milk in the household today Karen came home. I was supposed to text this Kieran is an and say, "This an ongoing issue in your house about <laughs> yes. who brings the milk home." Because I feel four like four adults. Why am yeah. I in charge of the milk? So I was supposed to text Kieran and say, "Can you please bring some milk home?" And I forgot yes. to do that. And this Kirsten will attest. Mm. Today was just a shit show on on air. Just everything we did went wrong. Oh, it was just one of those. Days. That was us on Monday. Yeah, everything, everything was, was a going shit wrong. show. Yeah. So I forgot to text him. So he came home with bread, but no milk. Oh. So <laughs> Bonnie, I'd gone out for a walk straight after work. She texted me and said, "Do you want?" me to get milk and I said yes please so as I was coming home from my walk she was going out in her car and she drove past me and she looked a bit cross I oh. thought no she wasn't cross I think she's just got so much work to do she was frazzled yeah. frazzled but she was getting the milk anyway which sure. was lovely and then um when I got home, I was dealing with another little uh, thing that had blown up to do with work, which I must tell you about, Kirsten, oh, later. Uh, <laughs> off air. With a car. Oh, I know exactly uh, She knows what I'm talking about. about. Mm. And um, there are managers involved, all sorts of stuff going on. Anyway, I'm dealing with that. And yeah. Bonnie comes home with the milk. And then she had a meltdown over a candle. See? Mm. It's the smallest thing. It was. It yeah. was a candle. She had to photograph for a client and yes. she's very, very careful with the things that she borrows from the client to yes. photograph for their campaigns. And so, uh, But this bubble had gotten warm and three sort of bubbles had come oh. up on the surface of the candle. Oh, no. And so she was, she was just, I think, ready to throw it all in because oh. of these bubbles on the candle. See? In the end, she just sort of got a bit of glad wrap on her finger and popped them back down and oh, you can't okay. even see where they've been. But the level of <laughs> upset. Yeah. There was, I can't do this. I can't be responsible <laughs> yeah. for everything. Going, darling, it's a candle. Yeah. It's a $60 candle. Yeah. I'll have to buy I said, yeah. we'll buy it if we have to to just anything. I'm, I'm telling you, it's the small things. Yeah. Like, yeah. I lost my shit about bananas last week. Oh, what happened? Yes. So let me tell you, I do the supermarket shopping on a Saturday yeah. and I always say to Nicholas, and like, just imagine that this was your life where your partner says to you, what do you want from the supermarket? And whatever comes out of your mouth is delivered into the pantry or the fridge. Entire family that do that. What a life, yep. right? Yep. And so I said to him, what do you want? And he said, oh, if you could get some, oh, actually, don't worry about it. Oh, that's so annoying. Right? And what I did you like, say? Did you say, just say it? I said, just what do you want? Me. What yeah. do you want? It was like that. It was aggressive. What do you want? And he goes, 
oh, I just I just want some bananas. But every time you buy bananas, <gasps> you buy them in the wrong size. What? Jam them up your ass, <laughs> Correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. Right? My wow. fucking head exploded. And I was like, <gasps> what do you mean? And he's like, well, I don't want to have to break a banana in half to and use only half in my smoothie. And oh. then, like, what do I do with the other half? He's like, so I just wanted you to get, like, medium-sized bananas so I can just use the whole. What is medium-sized? I can't tell you. Like, the neighbours would have heard yeah. how yeah. psycho I was What going. does he want? Lady finger size. And like, oh, I had bought him this pair of shoes that he really wanted. And the whole time, I hadn't told him that I'd bought them. And the whole time in my head, my head was going, you're fucking returning those shoes, Chanel. He's fucking not getting those shoes. Actually, no, you know what you should do, Chanel? You should get them and a Stanley knife and you should cut them in front of him. Yeah. And he was being Make really smug, drinking a smoothie in front of me going, don't worry about it. And I just wanted to smack the smoothie. Yeah. Was it eye hands. contact drinking? Yes, oh. it was eye contact drinking. Oh. Wow. <laughs> it was. It was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and anyway, and then I was like, if you're gonna go to the shop, that's the voice that was coming. It was a demon voice. If you're gonna go to the shops to get your own bananas, then you could just do the whole shopping while you're there. Like, we're not going twice. You know, like it was. It was like that. But to bring me back to the point. Yes. If any of you are losing your shit at this time of the year over Everyone. small yep. things, you are not alone. Do it. Lose it. Just lose it. <laughs> yeah. Is it Christmas? Like, I feel like that brings out the worst in people. Is it that? I that. Think okay, Christmas. I've done another. There's been, this has been my what? meltdown and it's been very strange. Well, I love chandeliers and I've had I've got five of them that are not <laughs> hanging in the ceiling. They're just hanging. From You're them. collecting actually, them? Yeah, they're just all hanging. I was going to repair them. and I don't okay. know what I was going to do with them, but I lost my temper with them the other day. They've been there for, I don't know, five, six years, something yeah. like that, just taking up space. And on the weekend, I just lost my patience with them. I just lost it and I mean? have pulled apart. Well, I've just disassembled them. I've now got – there's all these uh, – just a pile of crystal stuff. Why have you glass. done that? What are you ever going to do know with why a pile I of crystal? It. I don't know. If I ever want them to be a chandelier again, I'm going to have to re- – I don't know. I just got sick of them being there and just all of you my – just lost your shit. I want this place cleaned up. I'm sick of them sitting there. Yeah. Pulled them apart. Now there's just a pile and I don't know what, how, to, how to deal with it. <clears throat> Are you ready for a story? Yeah, well. Okay, do we need an Uber that. Eats update? Are you, how are you going with that? One minute away. Do you want to sort that out before I start? Who's bringing it? Gabrielle on a bicycle. Ooh, <laughs> sounds French. Yeah, he's got a 99% approval rating, so yeah. you know it's going to arrive on time. Good to know. Gabrielle, have a look. All right, go down and get your Uber Eats. Okay. A few moments later. So here's what's happening. We're in the studio. We're all together. It's exciting. It's the first time we've all been together since March. Mm-hmm. Chanel has got her Uber Eats. What yeah. are you eating? It's a Mexican. Oh, nice. But I've been at work all day. That's so not it's... detailed enough. What is it? Oh, it's, me- it's a naked burrito. Oh, Chicken, okay. lettuce. It's all there. Some it smells rice. so good. Yeah. Did you get guac? Okay. Extra? I didn't get guac. Yeah. I was going to, but then, you know, I pushed myself over that threshold where I need to sleep and not pod. But I've been working all day. It's why I'm eating now. Otherwise, Didi gets concerned that I haven't eaten dinner. I do. I worry. It does upset me. I'm sit in the corner and eat, but I will be present. Righto. Okay. So here we go. Robert Dale C.G. He grew up in New Hampshire and in Maine in the 1930s. So he was a pretty nervous kid. Other kids would tease him. He had a really nasty father who would do things like punishing Robert by holding his fingers over a flame. In the Portland neighbourhood where he grew up, there were 28 major fires and 40 small fires over a five-year period, all within 10 blocks of Robert C.G.'s home. 
And it was years, years later he admitted to starting most of them. And his sister Dorothy actually said that he even started a couple of fires inside their home. He said that when he started fires, he could remember striking the match, but then he sort of blacked out and he'd be woken up by a red man with fangs, claws, fiery red chest hair and flames coming out of the top of his head, which I'm told is a classic arsonist thing that they see. Yep. Yeah. I used to like lighting shit on fire as a kid. I did too. What did you set on fire? (laughs) We used to go into the shed, which is so dangerous. Yeah. And we used to just set anything on fire. Yeah. Like toy cars, just anything. We did it at the tennis club. We opened a cupboard and put like just dry stuff in there and lit mm. a match. <gasps> I didn't see a red man though. No. No. So this no. is in a whole separate yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So in 1943, he was in grade six. He failed all his subjects. His IQ was judged to be 78, which is pretty low. don't know why I remember the IQ of the Port Arthur killer, Martin Bryant, was 68. So he's only 10 above that. In June, the year after that, so he only would have been like year seven, 1944, the circus came to town and Robert got a job with them. So on the day he started work, there was a small fire on the ropes of one of the circus tents, but it was put out before any major damage was done. Nobody thought anything more of it. The circus packed up. It moved on to Providence, Rhode Island, where a tent flap mysteriously caught fire. That also got put out. No major damage. Nobody was hurt, and I don't think anyone thought terribly much of it. The next stop for the circus was Hartford in Connecticut. Now, we're on July the 6th, 1944, so it was the middle of summer in America, hot, humid day, and the circus was getting ready for the 2 o'clock showing. The tent was enormous. It was 550 feet long, which is about 170 metres, and 220 feet wide, which is about 70 metres. And apparently the heat inside was really oppressive. As the circus was getting ready for this afternoon performance, Robert C.G. met a girl in the circus grounds and had what he later described as unsatisfactory relations with her. What does that mean? Oh, dear. Ask. Paint a picture, yes. I don't know. He's obviously tried mm. to do something and she wouldn't let him and he's all frustrated and yeah, right. sticky. Oh, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't know. But anyway. He... I was, yeah, I was inquiring about what well, level, what base, but mm. it's don't too, know. It's too involved. I don't know. And I think in those days they might not have asked the, the exact details. But anyway, he said he was sexually frustrated and he wanted to burn out a lot of bad memories. At the circus, in this huge circus tent, there were between, I was actually surprised by how many people they could fit in, seven and a half thousand And 8,700, somewhere between those two figures is how many people were in there waiting for the show to start. Um, Most of them were children and the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus was beginning to perform. So the show started, a man dressed in a lion suit ran out, there was a dozen girls dressed in little skimpy lion tamer costumes and then the man in the lion costume, so the girls in the lion tamer costumes were were like, you know, whipping their whip at the lion lion man in the lion costume, all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's so funny, acrobatics. Um, At the same time... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey! Unfair. Sorry. Fair and unnecessary. There was an opening. Sorry. Unnecessary. Uh, at the same time, a re- No. Oh God. It's so funny. Stretching. Yeah. <laughs> Hit the 
point your toes and everything and get your hair done. And you used to have to rub this stuff on your legs like fake tanny stuff. It was, oh, it was awful. whole thing was a nightmare. Um, while this sort of fake lion man show was going on, there was a real lion tamer and real lions doing the big cat show. And when they were all done, all the eyes went up to the high wire. Uh, the Flying Wallenders were on. Now, I'd actually heard about the Flying Wallenders. They're quite famous. They're a daredevil group of their family, stunt performers, and they worked without a safety net. So they were like, you know, the absolute peak of acrobats and stuff. So Robert CG around this time got back from his encounter with the girl. It was about 20 minutes into the show. And now he said later that he was still nervous and upset about what had happened. And he thought that he laid down and went to sleep. And he heard the strike of a match And then the red man came. But here is what actually happened. A fire started on the southwest wall of the tent. The circus band leader, uh, Merle Evans, was the first to see it. And he directed the band to play The Stars and Stripes Forever. Uh, By the way, I love that song. Oh, say, can you see? Is that the same one or is that different? Is that Stars and Stripes Forever? Stars Spangled Banner? Oh, is it? Whatever that is. I love that song. (laughs) Isn't that... Their national anthem. Yes. It's not a song. It's the and they love it. They love that bit that um, they hold the note on. Let, of the free. Like yeah. They really go yes. for it. Yeah. And of the brave. Like they love but that. They're all cheering. Wish a lot of people can't sing it well. Yes. And so um, there's some real shockers. Roseanne mangled it. Remember that? She apps at Roseanne Barr. She mangled it and they got really angry Didn't with it. Fergie yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Fergie absolutely yeah. destroyed, yeah. crucified yeah. that national anthem. Yeah. Okay, so different song altogether. Apologies to our American listeners, but it sounded similar. Um, <laughs> anyway, the song <laughs> Stars and Stripes Forever. He got the band to play that because that was their safety word. That was their. Oh, something's going wrong. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Oh, like the emergency tape on a radio station. That's right. So all the staff knew that something was wrong. They kept buckets of water under some of the seats and um, the ushers grabbed them. They threw them on the flames, but but it it had already started to take off. They had no effect. So the fire was already about two metres high. The ringmaster, Fred Bradner, was trying to make an announcement to the audience to tell them not to panic and to leave the tent in an orderly manner, but the power failed and so they couldn't hear him. So people started stampeding for the air. Exits. Some of them stayed in their seats. They're just thinking, oh, it's a fire. They'll put it out. But of course it didn't. The flying wallenders, they stopped. They began to break down their pyramid, which I would have loved to have seen happening. <laughs> um, they, one of their bikes fell to the sawdust below. By now, the flames had reached the roof and people actually started to realise the horrible reality of what was happening, that the fire was completely out of control. So patches of burning canvas began to fall down onto people from above, Mm. trapping people, great big pieces of it because it was so big. Um, the ropes of the tent burned, so the poles gave way. And everything just came down. Yep. So people couldn't see where they were going. Exactly. So eight minutes after the fire started, the whole burning big top came crashing down, trapping hundreds of people inside. And making things worse was the fact that the tent had been coated with a mixture of paraffin and kerosene. Paraffin just then, because it makes it weatherproof. Yeah, and I I think also 
I don't know if that was standard practice, but also the, remember this was the wartime, so people didn't have access to the usual things that they had. So I think this may have been something that they were using just at that time. But of course, it's highly well. They're both highly flammable, paraffin and kerosene. So a lot of people were burned by the melting paraffin. It was sort of dropping them down like oh. napalm from the roof, which is horrendous. A lot of people weren't burned by direct flames. They were literally just cooked by the heat of the fire inside oh. the tent. Some people, yeah, yep. Some people were crushed to death in the chaos because people were running around in circles trying to find their loved ones. Remember, it's mostly children. They would have been terrified. So at least two of the exits were blocked. Because the big cats were performing at the time, they would put these chutes through the exits to bring the cats in through those and to get them back out again at the end of their performance so they didn't have to bring them in, you know, through the seats and stuff. So two of the exits were blocked by those chutes. People couldn't use those exits, but what it did mean, and just before anyone panics, the cats all got out okay, which was good. Mm, good. But it meant people weren't able to get out of them. Um, some people who were up on the top stands, they jumped down in panic. They thought they could then go down and get under the sides of the tent, but they died from the injuries that they suffered when they fell. Some people suffocated to death under the piles of bodies that fell down over the top of each other. In some people, oh. they were three bodies deep and they were kind of all piled near the exits because everyone had rushed there to try and get out. There was a few people found alive at the bottom of the piles because being underneath the bodies, they'd been protected from the flames and the heat when it all fell down. Do you know I constantly think about exits? When all you're in somewhere? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if no. it's it's just like, I was like, no, that's not normal. Like, I don't think it's PTSD. Fire! Fire! Quick, no, let's I, go! I, Where's I, the I exit? Think about, no, I think about exits in theatres and movie uh, in the movies. Do you? Mm-hmm. But they're always in the same spot. I know, but I think like when I go to that one, or when I go the back, you know, they've got them at the back. Which one's closest to you? Like counting seats. I'm sure it's some sort of PTSD from covering crime. But I would you just punch your way through everyone? I know. I think about like active shooter situations. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This is going to be played. It's it is interesting to see how people react. I, I cut it out of this because this is a long story anyway. But there was one thing about a guy who actually punched a woman oh. because she was in his way and they found her body later and the jaw was broken. So it did actually happen. Um, horrible. Some people behave terribly. All right. So within 10 minutes, it was all over. Uh, 168 people had died. 682 were injured or suffered burns. There was a bit of uncertainty around the death toll for a long time because they'd been handed out tickets on that day around town and some of them had been given to drifters who nobody ever reported missing. It was also possible that the heat from the fire was so intense that it had burned people completely like a cremation, leaving nothing behind. I, I personally think that's unlikely. Um, 67 of the dead were children under the age of 15. And identifying the dead was just a horrible task. So the bodies were taken to a local armory. I'm not sure what that is armory like a hall or something yeah and separated into male female and uncertain their relatives lined up to claim their loved ones so six of the victims were burned so badly that they couldn't be identified so they were eventually buried in numbered graves now one in particular drew a lot of attention she became known as little miss 1565 that was the number that she had been assigned at the morgue. So she was a little blonde girl wearing a brown dress. Her face wasn't too badly burnt. I give you full permission. Have you finished eating? Mm-hmm. 
to look up Little Miss Little Miss One Five Six Five, so you can see the picture, and we'll put it up on our socials. Okay. Um, little blonde girl, brown dress. Her face wasn't too badly burned, but you can clearly see her face and who she is. But nobody claimed her. Oh, which is very odd. Have you got the picture? Show cursed. So she was eventually buried without a name at Nor- um, Hartwoods, yeah, Northwood oh. Cemetery. Mm. Mm. So you can still see yeah. the little face. If that was your daughter, you'd be able to identify yeah, her. Yeah. So she was buried in one of the marked graves. Forty-seven years later, in 1991, an arson investigator by the name of Rick Davy said that her name was Eleanor Emily Cook and that she was from Massachusetts. But a researcher and author named Stuart O'Nan, he didn't agree with that. He said that Little Miss 1565, so the body, had blonde hair um, and Eleanor Cook was a brunette and the shape of her face and their heights and their ages didn't match up. So Eleanor Cook's mother, Mildred, said that that body that you're looking at, Little yes. Miss 1565, was not her daughter. Um, Mildred, the mother, had been so badly injured in the fire that she couldn't go to the temporary morgue to claim her two dead children. And when she did recover, it was said that she was just too emotionally traumatised to pursue it, which is sounds a bit odd. Like, mm. why wouldn't you go looking? But then different yeah. days, I suppose. Uh, she believed that her daughter, Eleanor was one of the two children who had been burnt beyond recognition and had been buried by the city. So what probably happened is the real Eleanor Cook, the daughter of this woman, was in the morgue, possibly burned so much that she couldn't really be recognised properly, and a family who were looking for their daughter claimed her body, thinking that that was their child, child. and they then took her and buried her. So. Eleanor Cook is possibly buried somewhere else by another family. So this left that body, the one that you can see on our socials, when you just looked at Little Miss 1565, she might have been the actual daughter of that family who took Eleanor Cook's body and buried it elsewhere. It's a bit complex, but you can see what I'm talking about. So they ran that picture in the papers, Little Miss 1565, and even if those parents did see it, it's possible they just didn't recognise her as their own. I mean, they might have mentally moved on, just didn't want to look at anything to do with the fire anymore. So based on the identification by these different experts in 1991, the body of Little Miss 1565, who was now being called Eleanor Cook, possibly wrong was exhumed and then reburied in Southampton in Massachusetts next to the body of Edward Cook. Edward was the brother of Eleanor Cook and he had also died in the circus fire. Okay. But actually the body is, it's, I don't think it is Eleanor Cook. Cook. No, but please leave her there now. In 1992, her death certificate was officially changed to Eleanor Cook, but the Cook family still questions whether the body is actually her. So another 27 years on, in mm. September 2019, a judge approved the exhumations oh. of two more of the bodies. Yeah. 
I knew you were going to say this. There were two unidentified women who died in the fire. So they were known as victim 2109 and victim 4512. Their bodies have been held all this time in concrete vaults. That was 1944, so that's a long time. Um, The hope was that one of them would be a woman named Grace Fifield from Newport, Vermont, who had gone to the circus on that day with two of her children. She had twins, Ivan and Barbara. Both the children survived but their mother was never seen again. So DNA samples were compared to her granddaughter, a woman named Sandy Sumrow, and in July 2020, authorities announced that they had not been able to extract viable DNA from the exhumed bodies. Just this year? Mm. So they'd been so badly burned, there'd been some groundwater had damaged them, and there was a lot of bacteria apparently where they were buried, so that interfered with the testing. So they'll keep those samples, and if technology improves in the future they'll still try and um, and identify her so another of the missing people is Raymond Erickson he was six on the day of the fire he made it out of the tent but he was very badly burnt and his uncle took him to Hartford Hospital and he left him on a gurney in the hallway while he went to find a priest to administer the last rites and when he came back to him the body was gone oh So all that was ever found of Raymond were the shoes that he was wearing that day with his socks stuffed inside them and they were in a bin in the hospital. What does that mean? I don't know, but where had he gone? So maybe he died and someone just took his body. I don't know. Um, His niece, a woman by the name of Beverly Zell, she had hoped to convince the medical examiner to exhume the body of the unidentified boy that was buried in these six um, unidentified graves. She wanted to know if it was Raymond, but because there was the bad news on the other two exhumations that they couldn't do anything, yeah, they realised it was um, just very unlikely that they could make a match to her uncle. So she says if they're going to take two bodies out of the ground, they should take them all out so this doesn't remain a mystery forever. There are two other women on the list of the missing. Edith Budrick, 38, who was from East Hartford, and Lucille, it's a number you don't, a name you don't get much anymore, is it? Lucille. Lucille Woodward, who was 55, from Salisbury. And the other child still missing is Judy Norris of Middletown. She was six years old, and she had gone to the circus with her twin. A lot of twins in this town. Mm. Yeah. She'd gone with her twin, Agnes, and her parents, all of whom died, So, mm. and then she disappeared. Yeah. Um, oh. Am I boring you because there's a little bit more? No. Okay. All right. So at the – what if you said yes? You're boring me. Yeah, we're done. Wrap it up. Wrap it. it. (laughs) Like when you go over and you're like, wrap. We haven't um, dealt with Robert CG yet, so I'll I'll get on to him. So at the time of the fire – Nobody knew that Robert C.G. had started it. They thought that someone must have dropped a cigarette button so because everyone smoked in America at that time. Well, I was actually thinking it, it seems weird to have an entire tent soaked in kerosene because mm. everyone was smoking back yeah. then. Yeah. And they would have been smoking in the tent. Yes, everywhere. And they reckon two out of five Americans smoked at that time. So Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus agreed to pay five million dollars to victims wow, in compensation. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and several of the organisers were convicted on manslaughter charges. Six years after the fire, 1950, CG, who was 21 by now, was living in Circleville in Ohio, and he says he had a dream of a woman standing in flames, urging him to confess. So he did. He admitted to starting the Hartford Circus fire. He said that a vision of an Indian on a flaming horse visited him and told him to do it. Right. 
So in November 1950, CG was sentenced to two consecutive terms of 22 years in prison, which was the maximum penalty in Ohio at the time. And it turned out that the deaths of the fire victims weren't his only killings. He confessed that when he was nine-year-old, he lost his temper and used a rock to beat to death a nine-year-old girl called Barbara Driscoll. And the year before the circus fire, he was caught setting a fire at a warehouse in Portland in Maine. So he killed the night watchman who caught him. He said he had strangled a 12-year-old boy on the beach in Maine and that he had killed the Japanese boy in Japan when he was there with the U.S. Army. I'm not so sure about that last one because he would have been only 15 or 16. That doesn't sound right. No, I think he's oh, make, making shit up now. With the army? <laughs> yeah. But people were enlisting quite young. Maybe. It was the wartime. Uh, Robert C.G. died in 1997. Later in life, he denied starting the fire, but there were some people. Who, there are some people who believe he didn't do it, but um, I think he did. Mm. And there's a really famous clown, a clown picture of a clown that we'll put up on our socials. Clown by the name of Emmett Kelly, who was running along carrying a water bucket, and it's just that image mm. of the fire, the disaster, and a clown trying to help with a yeah. water bucket. A bucket that was um, taken by. A photographer named Ralph Emerson, who had been in the audience at the time, and he's in the full makeup and costume and stuff, and it was published in 1944. And that clown, uh, what did I say his name was? Emmett Kelly? Yeah, Emmett Kelly. He was so deeply affected by what happened that he just, he never spoke of the fire for the rest of his life, rarely mm. spoke of it to anyone other than family. Hmm. There you are. I can see it. And I'm glad they don't have animals in circuses anymore. Yeah. Because I don't like it. No. That photo. Yep. Oh. Yeah. It's sad. A clown's trying to help. And usually when they do those buckets at things, it's they've funny. got torn up paper in them and confetti, haven't they? Yeah. And it's laughing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I did a little bit more stuff about animals because I just hate the fact that um, – so it was 2017, Barnum and Bailey shut down. And that left about 400 people out of a job. And, of course, all the animals that they had in the circus. And this is the problem oh, they've got course. in America with, like, that Joe Exotic and stuff. That Oh, anyone can own animals over there. Yeah. And then what do they do with lions and tigers and exotic animals? They yeah. give them it. And there's so many people in America have got these facilities that are crap. So there you are. That is the Hartford Circus Fire Tragedy. I've sent both those photos in our group chat so you don't have to go looking for Perfect. them. Thank Yay. You. Thank Gross. you. Are you going to do a story, Chanel? Yeah. How long are we running? Uh, 35, 44. Okay. There's a funny thing that's happened. You have to say what it is. Cause it's it is good. a funny thing. So I rang Dee Dee yesterday evening just to check in with her. And, um, I can say why. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't Oh, no, know. I'll save it for the next episode. We'll explain in the next oh, episode. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and... Anyway, we were talking and, and I was complaining about how busy I am, like no one else in 2020 is busy, but anyway. Um, and I do that all the time. I act like no one else is tired and no one else is busy. I'm the only one that's busy and tired. Anyway, uh, and she was like, oh, I've got stories that you can do. Because I said, oh, I'm going to go home and, and write some stories tonight. And she said, oh, I've got stories that you can you can do and they're all prepared. And I was like, oh, really? And I've never done this before. I always have stories. But Dee Dee has given me stories. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to read them in that, in that accent <laughs> yes which is going to be funny because you're reading it blind i'm so reading you're them going blind to be i don't know yes, yes i'm going good. to surprise myself i love it yeah okay so it's 2000 what 
No, no, it's fun. Oh, okay. Um, and the good, other good thing is that I've forgotten them. Like I've just keep a oh, bank well, of stories. So I've forgotten Tuck in, them. Dee. Okay. You're in for a surprise of your own work. <laughs> so 2006, Concord, New Hampshire. Is it New Hampshire or New Hampshire? I want to I, say Shia. Shia. But I don't know. In the US. I don't know either. The first part of this story comes from a user. What's a user, DD? A user on websleuths.com. Well, someone who uses, someone who web uses the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Okay. A user of the. The first part of this story comes from a user of the internet on websleuths.com. Worldwide interweb. <laughs> on an electronic device. I think you're just you're attributing the work. Good for you. Yeah. Okay, a four-year-old girl was was at daycare and a girl was picking on her. So she said, be careful, my uncle's a killer, he has a dead baby. I'm not going to react, I don't even care, you're picking on me now. It's a very profound sentence for a four-year-old, isn't it? It is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, but don't, that's what kids do, like my dad's bigger yeah. than your be dad. Be careful, yeah. my uncle's a killer and he yeah. has a dead baby. And my dad is like tall, super tall, so it was good having, and mm. I also had a big brother, well oh. I still do. It's good having a big brother. Is your brother older or no, younger? No, he's younger. Oh, useless. Which sucked. Yeah. 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 Was, okay. Mm, and bad. you've got a younger sister. Older so what sister. Uses that? Is she older? Yeah. Why do I think she's younger? She's two years older than me. I always thought she was younger as well. No, because yeah. she's a bit cool and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, I'm young. My sister is the total opposite to me. <laughs> like she's a free spirit. She just goes with the flow. She she works in uh, music events. So. I promised her a batch of my homemade brownies, and I haven't forgotten. Mm, okay, that it will happen. She would have remembered sometime. that. Yeah. yeah, and I am like, you know, I stick to rules, and I am really I'm a control freak, and Why I have are you this really, a whiteboard I don't marker. Know. Are you gonna like I don't tell know. this story on a graph <laughs> or something? Um, I have this, you know, serious job, and I think I just appear to be older. Right. Okay. She has a very fun life. Anyway, sounded like I was. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so <laughs> pretty depressing. Sorry, life, I was. Really. We were about to get into like a counselling session about <laughs> yeah. my family just then. Um, so my dad's anyway, bigger than your dad. My big brother's going to bash yeah. you up. Yeah, yeah, correct. Well, day daycare staff noticed. They heard this. Yeah, and they notified the police. Would probably a good, no, good that's call. a bit of a stretch. All right, Why? so I was doing well. I because was... no, but I think like you said, like kids tell the truth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I can remember being at kinder once. You have to do like parent duty, and it was yeah. with a little girl who I always found a bit odd, a little pale, little starey yeah. eyes, like from a horror movie yeah. kind of a kid, <laughs> and and she was coloring in, and she was coloring in the face, but she had just the black texture, and she was like, <clears throat> oh <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So you should have reported that. Call that in. Yeah, call <laughs> that. in. She wants to stab people in the eyes, this kid. Kids know. I should have done. Well, police paid a visit to a man named Charles Peavy and found a mummified baby's corpse. Oh, okay. 41-year-old Peavy told police that it was a family heirloom that had been passed down for decades and they called it Baby John. Oh, not bottle oh, baby. Oh, don't mind the corpse. That's just been around baby the John. family for a that, That's baby John. Baby John. Ba- ba- <laughs> that's just baby John, isn't they? Oh, that's a baby John. <laughs> what, this old thing? There's a baby mean, John. That's just baby John. <laughs> that's my baby. Why does what why do baby things make us laugh? I don't know. They shouldn't. Don't mention the 
You know don't, what? Don't, We're all don't, thinking don't, 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 don't. Ever blow your okay. nose on a baby. He said he had inherited baby Joan from his father <laughs> and that he, it had belonged it. It sounds bad saying it. He had belonged to his great, great uncle hmm. who was born in Ashland in 1850. The family understood it to be 90 years old hmm. and it was the stillborn son of a great, great uncle. Wait a minute. No, just because it's, what was it in? A babe in a bottle? No, we haven't. Are you giving away this? No, yeah. what did you say? Well, I just said it bottle baby because of Sabina in. and Bras- uh, Sabrina and this. whatever the names are. It doesn't <laughs> say what it's in. <laughs> Our girls, you know. See, my voice goes an octave. When I get accused, my voice <laughs> yeah, yeah. goes an octave higher. It doesn't What's say the baby what it's in? in. What's the baby? It doesn't present- say. How is it presented? It doesn't baby say. John. Baby John. Let me read on about baby John. <laughs> okay. Okay. Charles Peavy's great-great-uncle never married. He travelled the globe and was an eccentric collector who told tall tales. So it was hard to know the truth of the dead baby's history. Right. His cousin had heard that the mummy was from Egypt. Another relative said it was from an island. Two versions say the child was Hawaiian. One relative heard the mummy was found in a Hawaiian cave. So everyone's just making up shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But at some point, someone has a baby has gone missing from yes. somewhere, and someone's taken it and done something, whatever they've yes. done. Yes. Well, Charles Peavy's father had told him that his great great uncle had been in love with a Hawaiian woman who was carrying his child. The woman died during childbirth, and the baby was delivered stillborn. After the great great uncle's death, the box with the mummy went to Peavy's uncle, Harry Peavy, in Manchester for a while, and then eventually to Peavy in about 1999. Hold on. You're doing maths in your head. N- well, no, because I'm no good at that. But who is just, oh, can you look after this mummy for a while? Like, at what point is someone saying, I don't want this? They've all just yeah. happily just housed take me, yeah. it. Peavy had heard Maybe about they the mummy. they'd get in trouble, so they didn't give it to... Like at what point do you and who do you take it to? Where you just do you take, take it, it to the coroner, like to that the, story we did last time. You just go don't hand know it in. Where to find a coroner? They, I'll tell you. No, but not everyone has you. Just like don't, people don't know just where off to City do Road. That. Do you just take it to a hospital? <laughs> <laughs> um, Peavy had heard about the mummy, but had been told it was lost or broken into bits. When he found it at his uncle's house in a box under a daybed and in one piece, he asked his aunt if he could photograph it. She said, do you want it? Oh, okay. As you would, right? Yeah. As soon yeah. as anyone laid eyes on it, you'd be like, you want it? Yeah, you want you that are. baby? You take that yeah. baby. Yeah, you take yeah. that baby. Baby John. Baby John. I want it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. I want it. I got it. Um, relatives had treated the dead baby. <laughs> Sorry, it was the first thing that came into my mind. Relatives had treated the dead baby as a family member, giving it cards during holidays and a dried fish Aww. as a pet. No. Oh, come on. Don't say no. You wrote it. <laughs> no. Well, I've forgotten. Police seize the mummified corpse. Yep. Forensic anthropologists were called in to investigate the infant's age. Sorry, right? I turned my microphone on. Forensic anthropologists were called in to investigate the infant's age 
origin and cause of death to rule out homicide. If there was no DNA linked to the Peavy family, they wouldn't get him back. If the baby was more than 80 years old, the statute of limitations on any laws regarding human remains would have expired. The test found that the baby died of natural causes shortly after its birth and confirmed that the remains were decades old, but they weren't able to determine the baby's age or origin. DNA testing to show whether the boy was related to Peavy were inconclusive. And? Peavy was disappointed. Did he get to keep it? I've but forgotten. he said he would not appeal the decision. He couldn't afford further DNA tests needed to prove the remains are related. Why is he holding on to th- Why? Just let it go. Just, just that's what just, I mean. Just, just yeah, let it go. Think, yeah. Let it go. <laughs> why do you want the baby? It's <laughs> not a bit just then. Police won a court order to have the baby buried and the remains were, yes, Mm. they were uh, buried at Blossom Hill Cemetery in March 2008 in a section of the cemetery reserved for infants and a plot uh, that was donated by the city. Charles Peavy was not able to attend because the city buried the remains well before the time he was able to arrive at the burial. Mm. Two years later, Concord police were alerted by cemetery staff that the unmarked grave of the mummified remains had been disturbed. Ooh. Who do we suspect there, I wonder? Oh, Peavy. 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 Peavy, leave that baby alone. <laughs> baby John. They got a search warrant and dug out the grave site to check and confirm the corpse was missing and only the casket was left. I love how excited you are when you know. Police have forgotten everything. Okay. Police asked for the public's help in identifying the suspect or suspects responsible uh, and their help for finding the baby's remains. They said only a limited number of individuals knew where the baby was buried. It had no grave marker or headstone. Yes. Who else would go and dig there? And like, what are you saying as the police at that point? We just need anyone who's seen a person carrying a mummified baby to come forward. To have CCTV in in, uh, Oh, yeah, they would have in 2008. Uh, You could look it up through cemetery records, but they didn't say if anyone had done that. Disturbing a burial site and abuse of a corpse are felony-level crimes in New Hampshire. Hampshire. Police said they had collected evidence. I'm doing it both ways, so I don't offend anyone. Police said they had collected evidence but had no suspects, and they confirmed that they had interviewed Charles Peavy and searched his home and car. Peavy has told the local paper, the Concord Monitor, that he didn't know who stole the baby's corpse. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know who stole that baby. When he was first told of the disappearance by a reporter, Peavy said, oh, dig." God. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. No. His, his lawyer, That's James smart, Rosenberg, baby. said Peavy had been cooperative with the police in hopes they find the remains. He described Peavy as being distraught. He said, this news has surfaced anew for Mr. Peavy's difficult emotion. What? You need to edit this. This news has surfaced Hey, listen, just want a red pen for that in second here. Mark the word cross it out. Do, do not criticise. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm just going to summarise it in my own words. You need to edit <laughs> Mr. Mr. Peavy was Excuse having emotions. Me. Buy your own bananas. Okay, sorry. Oh, Mr. Peavy was having emotions. Anyway, uh, he disagreed that only a few people knew where the baby was buried because the burial had been shown on the TV news and there were websites that reported the locations of mummies. KPTV News what, reported. On, what websites that show the locations? Oh, there probably of... would be. Oh, that's weird. 
Yeah, I know. That's yeah. why we have a podcast. Um, <laughs> KPTV News reported that Charles Peavy had been collecting silver since he was 15 years old and it was to go to his niece. What is this part of the story that you've written here? I don't know. Does it need to be just stopped? Read ahead. Oh, I'm just going ahead. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I've done. I have no memory of that. Oh, okay. KPTV News reported that Charles Peavy, this is a side thing, as well as being obsessed with the baby, had also been collecting silver since he was 15 years old, and that silver was to go to his niece. But she said, just sell the silver. I'd rather have John. Oh, baby John. Baby baby John. John. What is with this family? And they all want the baby. Okay, the niece, Jennifer Arismendi, said that she was next in line to get the mummified baby, and she was committed to getting it back. They've taken something away that they don't have a right to take away, she said. Regardless he's blood, if he's blood-related or not, he's been in our family, he's been passed down. No, no, because if you're acknowledging it is a family member, then have the decency to bury him. Yeah. Charles Peavy denied disturbing the grave and was not charged with any crime. His lawyer said that his sole wish when baby John was put to rest a couple of years back now was that the baby could rest peacefully. This has been extremely difficult for him to deal with. Seriously. That's really odd, but just bury the darn baby. Yeah. Bury it. Like, don't hmm. don't have it. Stop passing it down. No, no. That's um, not nice at all for the baby. I don't imagine the baby cares anymore. Like, it's not alive. It's, no. It's just a vessel, isn't it? The body. Look, yeah. and you've written notes to yourself here. Have I? Well, I'll read them. Oh, no. What is the difference between keeping ashes and keeping a mummy? Oh, this is, mark. Yeah, these are quips and japes and things. <laughs> and then in, in brackets, I'm being totally serious here. Yeah. Did I even write This is like down? reading your diary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People hack up dead animals, give them fake eyes and mount yeah. them on the walls as decorations, call them trophies. Just, they bury their babies yep. in the ground to rot for a few hundred years until a land developer removes them from their place to build a condo. Then what happens to them? Question mark. They pay to, me saying They that. pay to intern their babies into a mausoleum only to find the body was actually dumped and the coffin resold. There are far weirder things in keeping a mummy. Museums are filled with them. I don't think that's me saying that because I wouldn't use the word condo. I think think what that probably is there must have been some sort of a chat right on the on the user, the user. The, the the user. <laughs> oh sorry yes the um from the user on websleuths.com yeah log on you'll know exactly yes. what they're all talking okay. about on there well so they've never found out who stole the baby it doesn't sound like it. i reckon it? the niece has got oh, it Tim. oh you think the niece did it well maybe because it wasn't in his house or car, was it? Maybe no. It is. She know. was really like determined to get her hands on it. She had she? some yeah, serious yeah, yeah. feelings about it. Yeah. Feedback. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. We've got from Ruth. Hi, Dee Dee, Chanel, and Kirsten. Nice things. Nice things. I was telling my housemate about the anti-low cut socks campaign. Thank you, Ruth. As my housemate was bemoaning the inability of low-cut socks to act like functioning socks, I searched Facebook to show her what you were talking about on the podcast. She thought it was very funny. It's true. I do not wear low-cut socks anymore. I hate them too. I hate them. I scrolled down further and this is what came up on related searches. Are these things people are searching on Facebook? Not sure, but I thought you might find it interesting. Stay safe and awesome as always. Ruth. Dead Bodies podcast socks is what she searched. And it comes up with D 
dead bodies found today, dead bodies in trucks, dead bodies found, dead bodies floating, dead bodies coronavirus. Ooh, heavy. Dead bodies podcast is the top one. Yeah. Yeah, but she searched that. Oh. <laughs> Darn it. You see again your internet skills have just risen to the surface. Excuse me, I need to log on. www.facebook.com. But thank you, Ruth, for continuing the campaign against low-cut socks. Fight sure. a good fight. Yeah. Okay, well, that's um, that's it. That's... Oh, you're wrapping us there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought you were going to do feedback. Anyway, see you next time. Well, I can't. Find, I can't lay. Well, I can lay. No, my I wrapped when I said no, see no, you next time. No, no, I can time. find one, but it's I can't find the lady's name. No, but because I know people that... would have switched off by now, so there's no point. Mm. Save that for next time. People have okay. they've switched off. Yeah. No, I'll do it real quick. No, no, people oh, they won't no. hear it, and then the person you're done. We're out. No, no, I'm no, no, do it. no, no. We're all no, done. It's from a we're lady that I haven't got. I'm dragging you out. We're done. Bye. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.